everyone. My name is Kat Savage and I'm a professional artist, clinical hypnotherapist and well-being expert working with those in the creative arts sector. In my line of work, I get to meet some amazing, colourful people from actors to artists, people who live their lives by their own rules, fueled by passion and determination to bring their unique talents into the world. I wanted to discover what it took for people to leave the usual nine to five and hop on a dream, to capture their bravest moments and share these meaningful conversations with you so that together we can explore the ideas, emotions and moments that could potentially change our lives too. The Brave Moment podcast begins now in the middle of the COVID pandemic, probably the bravest moment not only for my guests, but for the whole world. So let's keep talking some fun and enjoy the show. This week on the show, we speak to BBC introducing artist Susie Mack. Susie has most recently been working on her songwriting with Ivor Novello award-winning and Grammy-nominated Ian Dench from the famous EMF. After playing some of the UK's most iconic venues and festivals, such as the Tate Modern, the Troubadour, Glastonbury Festival, Beautiful Days and Boardmasters, to name a few, Susie had a life-altering allergic reaction, which left her hospital-bound and unable to walk. Just as she was beginning to recover, she contracted the coronavirus and found herself at death's door. But with the help of some incredible nurses, doctors, specialists and her family, Susie managed to pull through. With her indestructible positive attitude and generous nature, Susie shows the world just what the word brave truly means. It is with great pleasure that I introduce you to the incredibly talented bottle of sunshine herself, the truly courageous Susie Mack. Susie Mack, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. <laughs> we, I can't believe that we've just started off with a massive giggle, but it doesn't I know, surprise me. No, exactly. I, I haven't heard your voice for what must be like three years, I think. Oh my unless God, Unless you're yes. singing. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but weirdly, I was out last night having a little social distance walk with a fellow guest who's coming on later called Esther Alexander. Oh. Lovely Esther. And I told her that I was doing a podcast with you today uh, at which point she went isn't she the loveliest woman you've ever met <laughs> to which I replied yes yeah, she's an actual living angel oh, and then we, we had a, a wonderful conversation about you and how awesome you are and then when we were trying to like you know get ready to record today and, and my husband was on the phone to you you were there wrapping presents for kids oh no, no. proving my point <laughs> no that was the aftermath I'd already done it and sent them out <laughs> I think we should just start there. What oh were you no. sending and why were you sending it? Oh, so basically it's become a little bit of a thing. Um, there's a group of girls that we're, we're friends and obviously have this little WhatsApp group. And they've all, par- not all of them are parents, but most of them are. And they've just been struggling. So in lockdown one, I kind of sent out little parcels just to help with the kids and cheer everybody up. And I can't remember what I put in them. But then on the la- lockdown two, I did it again. And even more so now they've been really struggling. So I sent another one out. 
<laughs> Susie Mac. Right, Esther Alexander, I know you're listening oh to this podcast God. and it goes to prove my point that she is an actual angel. Oh my God. I would never have told anybody that, you monkey. <laughs> Start as you mean to go on, I yeah. say. So my, my first question was going to be like, what have you been up to during lockdown? But I think it's pretty clear. That's it. Yeah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been up to during your lockdown? Um, well, I kind of, unfortunately, in the first one, I got COVID. And so that was a bit of a battle. And I was lucky to sort oh of get through. Um, but then kind of on the whole, gardening's been my saviour. I've become middle-aged. <laughs> So you've been, you, you've gone through coronavirus and come out the other side and yeah. planted good stuff out of that. Basically, just yeah. To, just tell, tell us a little bit about what it was like to actually have the coronavirus. Oh, God. Um, it was horrific. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was not fun. Um, and I was in and out of hospital a bit. Um, and it was just, it was more just breathing. I just couldn't breathe and... Um, I can't even remember everything now because I've tried to block it out probably. <laughs> um, but I just remember at the time because we, we didn't, there was one week, we didn't know if I was going to make the weekend. And so I had a really uncomfortable conversation with family members and stuff. And because I was just deteriorating and as much as I, luckily some of my mast cell medication I was on, actually they were treating other COVID patients with. And I think because of my B12 injections and all the other stuff that I'd had, it actually was sort of enabled me to pull through. And like, I do with everything I researched and researched to sort of see what else I could be doing so just like all the vitamins and things and eventually um I came out of that but then afterwards I just kept having chest infections it just kept reoccurring and so it probably went on for about three or four months but on the whole it was just yeah I've come out the other side and that's just another little life experience <laughs> Do I? I'm sending you a massive illegal <laughs> hug right now because I don't know what the world has for you out there, but it always seems to just land on your doorstep. I know. <laughs> I think it's because I just laughed through it, so they probably think I can cope with it, maybe. I, I think know. it's true. I think it's absolutely true. Well, I'm really, really pleased that you pull through because yeah. obviously your amazing voice needs to be heard and chest infections can't be uh, conducive to, to good voice. No. So I'm really glad that you're on the other side of it now. Oh, thanks, lovely. Tell us a little bit about your gardening oh only because God. I'm a bit interested myself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well I've always been interested in it partly because both um my grandparents each side I uh, just did a lot of it and they loved it and I just remember going and being really fascinated when I was little and I think <laughs> when I was been poorly over the last sort of four or five years you know I'd, mm. there had been some low points but I think like when you're seeing stuff grow it just gives you hope so I think it mm. just became like this massive thing and I loved it because it mean, meant I could get outside when I wasn't very mobile and so mm. yeah it's just a huge blessing really and now I'm just addicted <laughs> I think that's the best news ever yeah. I think everyone should be addicted to nature and getting out there exactly. and, and making themselves feel better in the greenery for sure <laughs> and um you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your uh, your health battle uh, later on in the podcast <laughs> because that's I mean that in itself is its own epic iceberg oh, in God. your life isn't it yeah. bless your heart <laughs> but for now I'm going to take you back into your childhood which was covid free yeah and allergy free and all the rest of it and I'm just going to talk to you a little about how you grew up so okay. can you remember as a child whether or not you wanted to be a musician or was that something that came later on in life um I remember I really enjoyed singing so I kind of unfortunately got dragged to church every Sunday because my dad obviously a vicar and is he yeah for those who don't know <laughs> reverend mac i know he's, he's not your usual he's a bit of a rude one <laughs> but 
But um, <laughs> I think I've always had like this fascination with nature, so and African animals. So I think when I was little, I just wanted to be working with animals, no matter what it meant. And I think I always used to say to everybody that I loved animals more than humans. So old yeah. man Coops is here supporting <laughs> oh, your I cause. It's <laughs> <laughs> so old now. It's brilliant. Oh. So here you are, a vicar's daughter, <laughs> loving animals and sort of just getting through life in nature. Yeah. But I mean, where, where did your creativity come in? When did that sort of start developing? Oh, gosh. Well, I think I used to play different instruments and the, the piano I learned from quite an early age. Um, I was then in choirs. And, but even when I went to um, this, because we lived in Gloucester for a while and I went to the King's School there. So I was in the cathedral choir. And I just think I got such a buzz when you're singing. It was nothing about people watching you. It's just more that how that made you feel. Mm. So as a teenager when you're going through all the turmoil of all the black malarkey just to be able to have a bit of an escape and just you know just have a release isn't it so from your bedroom and everything else I just loved singing so the music so it's always been there <laughs> if you were to go back in time and meet yeah. your childlike self now do you think she'd be impressed with who you've become yeah I think I'd be completely oblivious to what I was sort of coming really I, I think I'd never even thought about doing singing as a career or anything like that I think I just wanted to be working with animals so I think yeah I'll just be wow okay do you think she'd be a bit ticked off as she's there stamping her feet going I should have been a vet for god's sake <laughs> oh I wanted to be a vet but I didn't like needles <laughs> so yeah that's come to bite you in the bum hasn't it yeah well yeah exactly <laughs> every other day now bless you you. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> well, I'm really, really pleased that you sort of found that energy and that sort of therapeutic thing, I could imagine, being quite young as well, to express yeah. your emotions through. Because I know that at that time in your life, it's it does get a bit balmy, doesn't it? Yeah. You, just, you don't know what's going to happen next from, you know, a hormonal perspective. So no. you had something to <laughs> channel into, which was lovely. Yeah. So <laughs> when do you think your parents sort of became aware of, of your gift? And how do you think they encouraged you or did they inhibit you? No, they never inhibited, actually. I, I think it was... <laughs> we surprised my mum because we, I was singing in the carol service in the cathedral and um, with the, the choir, and I had a solo. And then Dad, just as I was about to sing, just pointed to my name he'd written on the little service sheet. And Mum just looked at Dad like, what on earth? And then I started singing. So I think <laughs> that's when they were just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it's a lovely little introduction. And they've always been supportive. But I think, yeah, at times they've questioned... But to be honest, like, I didn't really start singing properly till in my 20s, like, later into 20s, so... Really? No, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Susie Mack, you, I mean, the way that you sound, and, you know, if you're listening to this now, pause the interview right now, go on YouTube, check out Susie's stuff, and then come back again. Oh, you would God. never think that you started quite late in yeah. life then, really, considering. No. So, I mean, when you were a teenager and you were into animals and you were sort of, you know, my dad's a vicar and all that, what, what, what did you study? What did you do? Who did you hang out with? What were you listening to? What kind um, of teenager were you? Oh, God. I was I was a bit of a social butterfly, so I flitted between everybody. I never really stuck to like a group, if that makes sense. I was just mm. friends with everybody. <laughs> and but I think it's partly because I just kept out of the drama. <laughs> but um, I don't know, like musically, we used to listen to all sorts like Nirvana and Glenn, uh, Paul Simon, Joni Mitchell, and then there's obviously all the kind of pop stuff that was going on at the time. What did your dad listen to? 
Oh my God, the Beatles and the Travelling Wilburys and like, all the classics. <laughs> he was brilliant. Like Dad saw the Beatles in a, um, I think there was about 50 of them in the audience. It was a really private gig. Um, before wow. they became really famous, yeah. So he he was very much into his music and still is. So yeah, it's, he's definitely been an influence, bless him. <laughs> what a legend, though. A vicar that listened to the Beatles, awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might start coming to church now. <laughs> what, did, did your mum sort of put up with it or was she kind yeah. of like on board with it all? <laughs> I think mum puts up with a lot, with all of, well, especially me and dad, because we're just, probably like you and I, just, a bit nutty and fun and just sort of don't take life too seriously <laughs> so, but she's brilliant bless her <laughs> I, I imagine she sat there now going no it's been brilliant really with a cup of tea listening yeah. to it <laughs> straight Rolling jacket next to her yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were coming into well coming out of school and yeah. a little bit distracted social butterfly cool taste in music what <laughs> happened next what did you decide to study and you know um, how did your journey sort of progress from there I'll be honest it went a bit haywire because I just didn't really know what to do and so mum pushed me to do outdoor pursuits so I went into kind of studying sport and outdoor stuff and became an instructor and things um and then I, I did have a little bit of a a sad situation where two of my really good friends died in a car crash. And with Jacqueline, I actually used to do singing and stuff. So I think that's partly why I stopped doing any music for so many years, because I just had that association, maybe. I don't think I realised I'd done it. But yeah, so I kind of, music then around that time really pulled me through that kind of process and that time of my life, I suppose. So it does mean a lot, doesn't it, when you have amazing artists to do that. I can imagine that music must have been such a sensitive subject for you in terms of just wanting to shut off from that world because it reminded you of your friend, but also wanting to lean into it for that therapeutic quality of of feeling her again, I suppose. Yeah, it was really mad because the week before we we were on holiday in Crete and we were listening to all these different albums and stuff. And then kind of after that, I just went quiet. And I, I weirdly had this sort of association again when I had COVID. I didn't listen to any music last year. And then afterwards, it just became this huge healing process. So I think when you're in the moment of trauma, I didn't really tap into it too much. But then after, it just saved the whole Mm. situation. So, yeah, it's really fascinating how our brains work, I think. (laughs) I kind of weirdly understand that thing with trauma when you're just trying to almost be in the moment with it. You're almost just trying to get your through day to day. Exactly. It It is really strange. So, yeah, yeah, music's the therapy that you have after the situation. It really is. So when (laughs) after that event in your life, when did you sort of pull yourself out of that situation emotionally? Um. I went through a few years of just partying and just escaping. And then um, I ended up in Plymouth mm. and met and I started working at the Treasury. And I, uh, there was this amazing guy called Jay. And um, <laughs> we got drunk last one night with a load of friends and we ended up just singing along to stuff. And he was <laughs> oh, my God, Suze, we should go to an open mic. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> And that's funny enough where I met Esther. So it kind of, that's when things start to kick back in again musically. Wow. 
but yeah drunken singing can you remember what <laughs> open mic it was and where were you and who were you with and what did bar. you sing the back bar yeah. oh my goodness that's a, such a cool bar yes. good place to start <laughs> not in any of those skanky places <laughs> got it I was petrified I, ca- I can't even imagine if you you know you just moved down to Plymouth some random guy that you've just met has just said you know come on let's go and do an open mic yeah. night and there you are meeting probably I would say the creme de la creme of musicians in our in yeah, our exactly. city now oh wow so what did you sing I'm intrigued I got I think one of them was Shola Rama you might need somebody love that song good choice um Lisa Loeb oh my god stay, stay. um that was the theme of ah, 90s for me <laughs> yeah it really was <laughs> um although yeah and then Oh gosh, I can't remember. I think we used to do a version of Reef. <laughs> oh, just silly stuff. I think it was good because it just brought myself my confidence up a little bit doing all those fun times. Wow. <laughs> so did that give you a taste then to think, well, maybe I've got this gift? Or did did anyone come up to you at that point and go, Oh wow, you can really sing. Who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> People said stuff, but I never believed it. I think I just thought they were being polite and I did for years to be honest um so I just kind of did it because it was fun and it was social and I could only really do it if I was drunk as well <laughs> so reality is I dread to think what it sounded like <laughs> well I've heard you sing and like I've just said to all those people out there that are listening who've now just listened to you on YouTube they've heard you sing too so it couldn't have been that bad my friend it couldn't have been that bad oh I love you <laughs> So here we are at the beginning of essentially what is your amazing, awesome plethora of uh, gigs and musical career just at the very, very brink. But who are the people that you turn to for advice? Who are the people that encouraged you and basically helped you create yourself? There's uh, an amazing lady called Melanie Brett who lived in Plymouth at the time and she came around for a couple one night we just got a bit drunk and just sorry it's a theme here <laughs> and ended up singing and she was just like, oh my god I need to introduce you to my friend Steve Brown and I just had no idea who he was or anything so um a little bit later um, we met at a studio in Cornwall and he was just a big bubbly character and I was a bit skeptical about it all but like from that time up until even unfortunately he passed away at the beginning of, the, uh, of January um he was a massive support and always tried to encourage me probably frustrated him more than anything because I just struggled to believe that I could go somewhere if that makes sense but he was there the whole time and so yeah and I think that's the thing isn't it it's just belief is a huge thing in music when you're doing it as an artist did, was he someone that sort of helped with that belief? Did he give you any advice? Did he sort of lift you up in any way or did that come from other out, outsources? I don't, I, it's hard to explain because I think he was constantly encouraging me mm. and trying to get me to write and to sort of do songs and stuff. And there's all these plans to meet other people. And um, But then the ball started rolling and I kept meeting other people and sort of starting doing all these different gigs and showcases in London as well. And, you know, I just, I think I became really overwhelmed by how it was the, the, kind of the momentum of it all. Mm. I ended up going on a sort of songwriting retreat and meeting lots of amazing people there. I did some gigs down in Cornwall where a friend of mine, she ended up introducing me to a guy called Craig Logan, who used to be in Bross and has been a manager to some amazing artists. Yes, and, Craig Logan! Yeah. <laughs> I know, 
he's brilliant. Oh, he's such a lovely, lovely guy. <laughs> We've had like dinners and like lunches and chatting about things. But unfortunately, like that came at a time where I was really poorly. So, you know, things did come to a bit of a halt for a while. But yeah, I'm still here. So <laughs> I think I think we need to talk about your, you know, when you say that you were poorly, you were really poorly and you're still battling with that now, aren't you? In, in a lot of respects. Um, just tell us a little bit about where you were in terms of performance. So, you know, what, what was happening in your body? Tell us a little bit about the story of, of what happened next. Um, so I had unfortunately a bit of a, a situation where I, I consumed some uh, more peanuts than I should have done um, in a sauce type thing and unknowingly. And um, it just created this massive reaction. And so in the months that followed, um, I just slowly started to deteriorate and then ended up in hospital. Couldn't work out. I was, you know, I couldn't walk properly. Um, I couldn't use my limbs properly. I, lost, I had lots of muscle weakness. I was getting fatigue, memory loss. Like, it was like my body was shutting down a bit. Mm. And um, luckily... After I ended up in hospital um, a few months after, they realised I had sort of a B12 deficiency. So they started me on these B12 injections. Mm. And then it was like a... <laughs> oh, God. It was just a momentous time over the next three years trying to find um, what was going on with the rest of the issues. Mm. And eventually, a year ago, I got diagnosed with something called mast cell activation syndrome, where your body produces too much histamine. Mm. And so I'm now on these amazing tablets and... Finally, sort of right now, you know, I'm finally feeling I'm getting my life back and a lot of that's behind me, which is amazing. You know, there, there's so many things <laughs> that I want to say and there's so many things I will say right now because I'm just absolutely in awe of you as a person, <laughs> just being able to get through that in such a positive way. And if anyone follows you, they'll know, you know, just from your blog and all the rest of it, just oh. how incredibly positive you've been about the NHS, about yourself, about the whole process. But I can't imagine what was going yeah. through your mind. Uh, how did you find that positivity and how did you find it at such, you know, at the brink of your career? Yeah, um, I'd be honest, I didn't really think about my career. I was just sort of really focused on trying to find answers. So I was literally up till like two, three in the morning some nights just researching, trying to find answers because the doctors just couldn't. They just didn't understand what was going on and they were just kind of holding their hands up. It's just one of those things. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, no, it's not. <laughs> There's got to be, you know, I think that was it. I just had the drive to fight to get better so I think that's what drove me through it all and don't get me wrong you know I had mm. some really low points but I, I didn't see that as being a negative it was just a natural thing that you have to experience isn't it and I was just I don't know I just <laughs> actually somebody um said I was chronically optimistic so I think that got me through <laughs> You are. I, I wish we could bottle you and sell you because we'd make millions, Susie Mack. You, you are the, the most positive girl in the world. Oh but in those moments of the, those those lowest, lowest points, how how did you get yourself through that? Tell us what you had to do mentally um, to, to get yourself through. Do you know what? I, I was fine with being ill and having to cope with that I just couldn't cope with how it was affecting everybody around me and how worried they were and just they felt in utter helpless despair mm. and I think there was a couple of summers ago I just I didn't feel suicidal but I just got to a point where I just couldn't think about going forward because it was just hurting so many people just not knowing what was wrong with me mm. and I think you know there was a few times that 
I'd get up and then I don't, <laughs> it's going to sound a terrible example, but when you see um, a dog that has kind of spinal damage and they're dragging their leg behind them, I was doing that with one of my legs, oh. you know, every now and again. And I think we just didn't have a clue what was going on, why it was happening. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to the doctors. Mm. And, you know, my parents have been phenomenal. I had to stay with them the, the entire time, bless them. And yeah, I think it was really tough. And I just think I struggled more with that than what I was experiencing, which is a bit odd, I know. But. <laughs> well, I can imagine because if you spent too much time within your own body and within your own thoughts, it might have really, you know, screwed you over whilst here you are. If you could put your focus into other people and into getting yeah. better, then of course that drives you forward, doesn't it? And it, it does seem to help when other people are calmer around you, I guess. Yeah, I think I luckily accepted everything that was going on quite early on. So mm. for me, it wasn't such a a traumatic experience in that respect it, it was purely just not being able to reassure other people yeah and I think that's I just you know when you're living in a mindset where we just didn't have a clue what was going on mm. and that can be really damaging because there was no answers but you didn't want to give up either mm. and so I think yeah I just had to keep pushing on and I think when you notice you're in those areas of being triggered by that kind of turmoil you just have to find ways out of it and I think that's where the gardening came in and the music and stuff so mm, mm. yeah it's, it does help doesn't it <laughs> it does but clearly I mean you're, you're a case a miracle case of how it's helping so you know if anyone can do it you can do it and uh, and we, I think we've all just been holding our breath waiting for this moment where you you can feel better because your voice is magical and your work oh, is incredible and and <laughs> You mentioned there that, just like you always do, that your your focus was on other people. And I know that focusing on other people has been a massive part of your journey, hasn't it? Whether it's been with yeah. homeless people, whether it's been with these children <laughs> that you've been wrapping presents for this morning. So tell me, in amongst all of your own drama and, and emotion and troubles that you were going through, how did you find the strength to go and help these other people? And what did that bring to the table for you? What hope, what passion did it bring to encourage you? I think I've always had this uh, thing is when you grow up in a, a religious household, <laughs> you kind of always around people that are helping each other. Mm. And like, I've always questioned the whole God thing. And mum and dad have just completely understood that because of some of the stuff, you know, I've witnessed growing up and, mm. but I've always taken away, you know, helping other people just bring so much joy. And, you know, it doesn't take much, does it? To just hold your hand out and just say, look, do you want to just talk or, you know, what can we do to help type thing? And I think, you know, nobody deserves to be on the streets. Mm. Um, nobody deserves to suffer or feel, you know, in that low place. And I think it just doesn't take much, you know, for me or others or you to just hold your hand out, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And you just, when you see how they can turn their lives around or, you know, and I think you've got a whole country and world at the moment where lots of people are becoming homeless. So it can happen to anybody at any point as oh, well. My so. goodness. And and especially after the COVID situation as well. And, yeah. and, and again, weirdly, whilst I was sat on the hill with Esther Alexander and talking about <laughs> you, we did come on to this conversation about homelessness and how we, you know, personally, we know a couple of people that are homeless and, mm. and hearing their backstories of how they get there, it could literally happen to anyone 
at any point. And I can imagine that yep. with the situation that exactly. you've been going through, where you've, you know, been stuck in a hospital bed or stuck with your parents, you know, bless them, um, feeling yep. incapacitated and not being able to work or not being able to support yourself that there is a mirror there, isn't there, between, you know, those people that yeah, end up homeless totally. and, and what the journey that you were going through. Yeah, and I think if you haven't got the right support network around you, I've been so lucky, mm. you know, it, it, I could have been easily on the streets or just sort of trying to bunk on friends' beds or um, sofas and stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I want to take you a little bit away from from the bleakness of uh, of the situation. How? Yay! Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> I am. Um, when, when you sent your bio through, I was utterly gobsmacked when you mentioned your link to Iron Maiden. Talk to me a little bit about that. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, so when I've been done bits of work, I've done events and stuff and um, I ended up getting sent to a chateau in France to look after a family for a week. Um, we turned up and it was um, their manager and his amazing family. Wow. And he was called Andy Taylor and he was such a character. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so we, we looked after him for a week and um, halfway through, there's another lovely girl who was working with me and then you've got the people that run the chateau and they were, oh my God, chateau, chateau. <laughs> And they were brilliant. And they all started telling the family and Andy Taylor that I can sing. And I was like, oh, my God, don't. You know, I was just yeah. so mortified. I was like, I'm just here to do this. Don't say anything. <laughs> and then um, I think it was his daughter's husband played the guitar and he had a guitar. And they were like, right, we're going to get you to come and do like a, a session after we've had like our dinner on the veranda mm. at the back of the chateau. And I was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but in the end, we had a little rehearsal and ended up, they gave me some whiskey <laughs> to <laughs> sort my nerves out. And we did a, yeah, did a sing. And it was brilliant, really good fun. And then afterwards, um, Andy came and sat next to me. He's like, right, you need to come and see me as soon as you get back to the UK. Come up to London, come to my hotel and we need to have a chat. And I was like, oh, good grief. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of how that kicked off a bit, really. That is absolutely nuts. But it just goes to prove that if you're in the right place at the right time, then anything yeah. can happen. And uh, and another exactly. testament to, you know, going for it because it must have taken a lot of guts. I know you have whiskey involved as well, but it must have taken guts to sit there in front of <laughs> the manager of one of the biggest bands in the whole entire world and sing yeah. in your chateau. <laughs> yeah, chateau. chateau. <laughs> so I want to know chateau. more about these amazing moments that have happened in your life can you give us a few more of your highlights oh gosh I can't think <laughs> I think well I spent some time in a songwriting retreat um a few years ago actually the year I became really poorly it was the week before I ended up in hospital actually and for me that was a real life defining moment because I don't think I really believed in myself before that and I think being around all these I think there's about 30 of us actually that were there including the mentors and they were just all amazing, encouraging. We wrote the day and then there was one Pacific day. Uh, sorry, then we'd uh, perform them at night. But there was one day that um, I'd wrote with a guy called Jez Ashurst, who's done lots of writing with different big artists and stuff. And we kind of got onto the whole subject of sort of losing people and suicide and stuff and wrote this song. And then we performed it in the evening. And I, I wasn't feeling very well that week, but 
we did the showcase in front of everybody and did this song. When it's finished, the the main um, guy Martin got up and started talking about it, and then referring to the um, mentors about what they thought and stuff. And everybody was just so encouraging, and then they were just sort of talking about my voice. And I let out this sort of really embarrassed giggle. <laughs> he just gave me a dressing up and saying I, that I needed to take this seriously. And and I think he said you had no idea how talented you are. And and I, I was just like, oh, okay. And I think that's when because you're around people that knew a lot about it and I think they had a lot of respect for me and I had a lot of respect for them it was a real defining moment for me because that's when I finally believed oh wow they actually they really mean it <laughs> which was yeah it was, it was really yeah it was mad can you remember when <laughs> when you'd sort of finished that songwriting retreat and you felt a little bit more belief in what you were doing. Can you remember the first gig that you did after that? And how did that feel? And how was it different to the previous gigs that you'd done? Oh, wow. So I had a... Um, well, this is the weird thing is that I come back, I was really ill in hospital for a bit. Then I started the summer of sort of gigs and I was sort of working around being poorly. But my God, I just... The confidence level was just so different to anything I'd experienced before. And I was really enjoying performing. And I don't think I enjoyed it as much before. Mm. And I think um, one of them was Port Elliot Festival. And we did Boardmasters as well. And actually, um, it was like a switch had just been let off, really. And I just just felt this emotion when I was singing and I was in the moment when before I think I was just really conscious of what people might think. I just didn't really care mm. so much. I was just more about sort of being as a band and, and loving it. And actually we had a, a f crazy moment at Boardmasters. There was a, a photographer came along to see me and he was from New York. And I didn't really know much about it and other than that he was really lovely. And then about two, three weeks later, I think he'd gone back to New York and written this review about me. <laughs> and, and then the next thing I was being tweeted by... Um, the CEO of CNN saying you must come over and do some gigs and let's get this all sorted and I was just like oh my god what the hell's happening but I think that summer on a whole was just a really defining sort of time it wasn't just a specific moment I just remember feeling elated that I could finally enjoy singing and the music properly it's like it's like a proper Cinderella moment in the movie. I'm watching the Susie <laughs> Matt movie as you're saying oh, this, God. obviously. And I'm imagining you going through your life with your amazing hair just floating in and out of these situations. And I can't imagine what that must have felt like, especially when you're feeling so poorly. And yeah. I know what it's like when you're, you know, I've had a, a few health issues myself and I know what it's like when you're on a gig yeah. and you're, uh, your body is your, your body saying no yes, but your exactly. mind's telling you yes and, uh, and you just so want to give it everything yeah. but there's that part of you that's just having to hold the space for yeah. your body let alone your mind yeah. did you ever go over to New York? no I didn't get to so with Steve Soon. I know but with Steve and like Ian Dench and the retreat as well he'd, he'd been writing with like Beyonce and some amazing writers that he wanted to introduce me to in um, Nashville but also another mentor was um Kim Ritchie and she's oh she's just an amazing writer and mm -hmm. they all kept saying look let's just sort out getting you over and things and, and Steve was really um like on it and he was just like right we're gonna get this tour together as soon as you're ready and better and we'll get these songs written so it, it did get put on hold unfortunately but mm. you know mm. who knows what may happen time will tell yeah. time will tell <laughs> 
I want to talk a little bit about this songwriting journey that you've had because obviously it was such a defining point yeah. in your life. What advice would you give to younger people that are coming into the business who want to songwrite? What did you learn about yourself in the songwriting process? And are there any sort of like good tips or hints that you can give people if they want to start writing themselves? I think it's just, it's really important to be yourself and write stories that mean something to you. Don't try and write stuff that you think people might like, you know, mm. save labels or anything. I think it's, it's got to be about your journey and what you're comfortable with. I think when you start getting put into certain outfits that you don't like, you're not going to feel the performance, you're not going to enjoy the experience. And like, that's why when you're at the start and you're writing, it really needs to be about you and what you love and what you think. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's something that I totally agree with. Write what you know yeah. and, and really stick to it, especially with music when you've got such a small amount of time to say something. Yeah. I think it's really, really important that it does come from your heart. And it's really, really clear when you sing that that's the case every yeah. time you seem to bring that energy probably because you're so grateful to be there performing in the first yeah, place yeah exactly <laughs> so you, you have another motive behind yeah. that but but it really does come through and and oh, that's good. do you feel that your body's recovered its stamina do you feel that your voice is sort of free from the cage again oh god definitely I, it's only been in this last month that I finally felt like I'm free again in a weird way. Yeah. And I actually went for a social distance walk with Martin, um, who used to be in the band. He's now working with Rogue and doing some amazing stuff. We're going to start doing some writing together. But oh. he, uh, yeah, he just, he could see how much better I was because I think I went for a period of time, like my head and processing skills were just not there. So mm. it was really difficult for a, for a band to support me um, mm -hmm. through all that because they just didn't have the real Susie, not the real Susie, but the, the Susie that they knew and loved. Yeah, and so yeah. I think they all struggled to witness that, the, you know, the deterioration. So I think for those guys to start seeing that I'm finally coming out the other side and I'm just the bright person that I used to be, maybe <laughs> nutty person. I think, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's really exciting. I think this year, despite what's happening. <laughs> I'm so relieved that, you know, we're having this this podcast now and I can't wait to to interview again in like 12 months or whatever and oh, see wow. what you've achieved because you just you just do so much so quickly. And even yeah. in that state, in your lowest, lowest, lowest moment, you have still achieved so much. And that's a massive yeah. testament to your your ambition, to your passion, to your will, to everything. Yeah. And, you know, from a mental health perspective, I can't even imagine what it must be like to to feel sort of less foggy in your mind like what has been the, what has been the biggest benefit to to your mind coming out of this oh god I think when you're just in this thick fog and you just don't have any trust in yourself and what you can do in your abilities and so even when you're in social situations you just retreat and I'm sure lots of people around me would be able to say oh Susie's not herself because I just struggle to have that connection mm. because everything's so much slower and I just yeah I just I think I became a shell really for a long time mm. um just not having that trust in myself and be able to communicate properly it's really bizarre can't quite describe it properly probably but yeah now that you're feeling a bit more like yourself what is the first thing you want to do out of lockdown what what are the things that are important to you now that maybe you took for granted before you had to go through this journey I desperately want to travel and just 
sort of spread music now. I think that's that's really going to be a big focus and, you know, hopefully be able to go and do my tour that I wanted to do. Um, but also just hug everyone. Because <laughs> I'm always, already a big hugger anyway. But yeah, look out, world. <laughs> I'm getting first in line. Yeah. I hope you realise that. Just, I'll be walking down the street and just suddenly grabbing somebody and they'll be like, my God, this window. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> so yeah, we talked briefly on um, on those songs that sort of helped you to heal and right. to lift you up. <laughs> What are some of those songs? Let's let's hear a little bit of the Susie Matt playlist. Oh God! Um, so I'm a big fan of John Mayer. So I'm really happy that before the lockdown happened, I got to see him. Um, <gasps> and lucky you! Oh God, he's amazing. So so good. And yeah, we kind of we put extra money in and just got sort of um, went down by the front. Brilliant. The O2 and it was just magical. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't describe it, but it was just a, such a brilliant gig. I like, and like in my sort of day to day, you know, you got Paul Simon. I'm a big fan of Lennon Stella, and I, she was the last gig I saw actually. Um, <laughs> probably where I caught COVID. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, she's really good, and I think you know, there's all these amazing artists around us all the time, and hmm. it doesn't matter what level you are. We're all on the same path, aren't we? So I think, um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Joni Mitchell, massive, massive fan of Joni Mitchell. Um, She's incredible, oh, isn't she? she? Is. I, I did actually listen in. Um, you did a, a cover of her River Song, didn't you, over oh, the Christmas my goodness, period? Yes. Which made me cry. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many people that can cover her that I'm impressed oh, God, with, but okay. you were one of them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You can check that out on her Instagram, oh, everybody. God. Just <laughs> oh, you're brilliant. John Mayer and Joni Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, do you need anyone else on your uh, playlist? Donny Hathaway <laughs> is another big one. Aretha Franklin. Donny Hathaway. Um, nice. Etta James. There's loads. Oh. The list is endless, though, isn't it? Music's all around and it doesn't matter what genre. It's just if it, yeah. if it touches you, then that's great. Oh, you've got such a good playlist. I want to borrow it. <laughs> I'm going to Spotify it now. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> What's the song that you must, absolutely must sing along to? Like if you're oh in the car God. or if you're at home in the shower, what is that song? So you're going to tell me off probably. So <laughs> <laughs> I never used to warm up properly, but I I love Sister Act too. And even like, I think everybody who's met me over the years know that I love this song. It's a happy day. It's on an advert at the uh, moment, oh. isn't it? And I'm just like, every time I hear it, Is I'm it? listening a lot. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. I don't know. It just lifts you up, isn't it? And I think it's also because I like reaching that high note. <laughs> yeah. The one right at the very end. Yeah. In Sister Act. Yeah. I know the one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I can imagine you bopping around and again, your hair just swishing behind you <laughs> like a mermaid. Oh, happy day. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's terrible I used to warm up to that before doing gigs so, that's not yeah. terrible my goodness there are oh, really? worse things you could warm up to okay, I mean, it takes right, you through every fine. single vocal register doesn't it that song <laughs> <laughs> okay I don't feel so bad now <laughs> 
I love you. I just love oh, you I so love much. You. <laughs> so, well, I can't believe this time is going so so oh, quickly no, sorry. today. No, don't apologise. I mean, I'm taking in every single moment because I'm trying to get in as much Susie Matt before you head oh, off into your you. wonderful music career. And I'm not, you know, you're too busy. Or the garden. Or the garden, indeed. <laughs> I have to ask you, what do you consider? to be your bravest moment and that can be you know obviously we're looking at that retrospectively but it can also be something that you've taken forward into your your daily practice spiritual mental physical what what do you consider that moment to be and what have you learned from it it was when I had covid and it was that week where I didn't know if I was going to make it through and I had to have those really awkward discussions with family and Matt and everybody and I just remember lying there I was had the nebulizing stuff and I just remember lying there that I actually <laughs> I was thinking of David Attenborough and that actually we're all just pests on the planet so <laughs> if I go it's fine but I was really just I was comfortable about going mm. and I wasn't afraid and I think for me that's where I hit this just really surreal sort of 24 hours of kind of like I don't mind if I go it's okay mm. it's not scary and because I made it through that, now sort of looking at life as a general thing, you know, I'm just taking each day as just being a positive and an extra and I'm lucky, I suppose. Mm. So that was a really, that was a big moment looking back, actually. Didn't think about that. I, Sorry. I'd say. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Good old David Attenborough pulling me through. <laughs> You're just a parasite, yes. Susie. <laughs> Good old Dave. He's always in the background somewhere in your life, isn't he? I know, he is. Love him. <laughs> but like, do you know, everybody says, oh, who's the idol that you want to meet? And they all expect me to say like big musician or something. And I'm like, no, David Attenborough. I really want to meet David Attenborough. I am really with you on that. Can you imagine having dinner with David Attenborough? It would be oh, the he'd best be so dinner lovely. ever. Yeah, exactly. He'd, well, he'd be like the grandfather of knowledge, wisdom and like your yep. best friend at the same time. Like, can you exactly. imagine being a total legend at a party? <laughs> <laughs> oh, in words everybody would be quiet they'd just be like oh it's David Attenborough <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just love it I love it I love it in, in, uh, in tribute to David Attenborough what are you gardening yep. right now and what do you expect to grow in your garden over spring <laughs> oh my goodness so uh, this is the time of year you go out and you prune everything and get everything ready for its growth. And, like, you know, you're starting to see all the shoots from the roses. The peonies are coming through. I love peonies. I'm just a bit obsessed. Who doesn't love a good uh, peony? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What am I talking about? This is hilarious. But, um, yeah, I've, I've just been out clearing brambles and stuff this week. So, yeah. It's good. It's quite therapeutic. Getting ready for the plethora of spring. I love it. Yeah. Oh. David Attenborough would be well proud. He'd be like, you're oh, cultivating yeah, exactly. part of the planet and you're doing a really good job. Yeah. I'll tell you something, though. I think I, I realised I might have lost the plot last week because I've always been afraid of spiders, but there's been this spider the whole year and I, I called him um, Fred, but it's probably like a female <laughs> and it's starting to get really slow and not looking so well so oh. I've been trying to catch flies and put it in the room <laughs> oh, and I'm like I've lost the plot <laughs> no I absolutely hear you I'm exactly the same I'll save snails if I see them on the sidewalk yep. all of that kind of stuff wood lice that's always yep. I want to bring the logs in for the fire I'm saving all the wood lice and I check all the wood for sort of asleep wasps and bees oh, I'm such an idiot really no no I, I think we need to encourage more of this 
genteel, we do. Uh, amazing action in the world. And, <laughs> and do you know what? Weirdly, it's something you, know, you mentioned COVID, but it is something that I've seen through COVID, just, just in our local village, just how we're just caring for nature a little bit more Good. each day. Yeah. And I think if everyone can just open their heart just that much, uh, just to, to help the tiny creatures, then, you know, the bigger creatures will follow and we'll all become a little exactly. bit more connected. Well, it's a circle of life, isn't it? Because, you know, there's a couple of years where we didn't have many insects and everybody's panicking about yeah. it for the birds. But actually, you know, you're looking outside now and all the birds have got insects to munch on and, yeah. you know, it's just everybody's very happy. And oh my God, did you notice when COVID first hit and everything sort of went silent? Oh yeah. How loud the birds were. So loud. Yeah. They were like, yes. <laughs> I know, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I think it's like... Um, Weirdly, I had a podcast with a guy called Craig Jones, who's a wildlife photographer, and we we had this same conversation. And he said it wasn't that the birds got louder; it's just that we stopped to listen. And I think that's yeah. the thing that happened through COVID. Yeah. We we did. Yeah. We went, you know, into our gardens a little bit more. We did go for those walks. We did get out in nature. And I really hope that that continues and that we we continue to notice and maybe use our cars Me a little too. less so that we can pay attention to yeah. these things. Exactly. Oh, you're just like Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama mixed up into some beautiful <laughs> I don't know about musician. That. <laughs> <laughs> I've had an epiphany, that's all. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that, darling. Yeah. <laughs> it will heal up, I promise. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry. Okay, so bringing you <laughs> right, back next, into yeah. the room of music, just to finish off this yeah. interview, what okay. tips can you give to other musicians out there? What what can people do to get their music to the next level? If they're just starting out and they're listening to this interview, what, what advice would you give them? Do you know what? This is a weird one. Um, I have noticed over the years how jealousy has actually really hindered a lot of artists mm. because they get so consumed about not doing as well as other people. And I think it's really important to realise how we're all on the same path, we're all on the same journey and don't look to other people as, as a negative because together we all can just move along. And when you have those negative sort of headspaces, they do hinder you from being open to opportunities. And I think just be open to all of that and just do different gigs, do charity gigs. Not all, you know, all of them that you get asked to do because that would be crazy. But like, I just think it's really important to just have a positive attitude and also to sort of be conscious that there are some people out there that just want something for nothing as well. Mm. Um, but just yeah just be you I really really love that advice especially in sort of a culture where we do compare and despair online yeah. and you know around the area you know if you go and see another person live you're thinking crikey they're really really good oh my goodness yeah ah. and it can it can make you just go back and second guess yourself but I think what you're yeah. saying is absolutely right we've all got something unique to bring to the table and totally. we should totally own that and just be ourselves. That's such good advice. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for that. Think, Nuggets. Yeah, no <laughs> <laughs> Nuggets. <laughs> oh, I love it. There's a, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it in secret to you, although the other people listening will be hearing us as well. But I, I was I was watching on Netflix. There's a, um, a programme called Travels with My Father with Jack Whitehall. Who, um, oh, he's, he's so Yes, funny. I've seen some of those. Oh, my goodness. His <laughs> yeah. dad is very sort of 1950s white male, isn't he? But... 
um, yeah. they, they, they okay. went to Australia. <laughs> this just reminded me, I can't believe I'm saying this on air, but I'm going to do it. They went to Australia and they were learning about bushcraft. And, um, oh, I saw this. Did you, yeah, did you see on. it? I'm going to do an atrocious Australian <laughs> accent now. And I'm really sorry to, to anybody if I offend them. But no, it's in, 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 the, in the process of the acting of this moment. Anyway, <laughs> they were talking about how you, how you go to the toilet in the bush. And um, and the guy said, you got to dig two holes, basically. You've got to do a decoy nugget for all the flies to go to. And then you can you can have a poop in peace in the other hole. And for the rest of the program, they were talking about this decoy nugget, which is now a feature, hashtag decoy nugget, for anything in our household that's just a little bit rubbish or a little bit crap. And so I pass that decoy nugget onto you, my friend, and and you oh, you take it, it in exchange you. for your awesome gold mine nugget that you gave I us. Will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Are you ready, Susie? Oh Matt? crikey! Okay. Okay. Get your game face on. So you have okay. to ask, answer these questions as quick as you can. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Musical hero. Jenny Mitchell. Favourite motivational song. Higher, higher, Jackie Wilson. Oh, good choice. Epic fail. <laughs> Not being able to say peanuts when I have a, <laughs> had a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. That's sorry, my track. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, okay. Last gig that you went to. <laughs> Len and Stella. Favourite item of clothing? Uh, flip-flops. Flip-flop. Flip-flop. <laughs> the last text you received? Oh my God, that was my sister about cleaning products. <laughs> she was excited. Sorry. Shout out to Susie's sister. Nice work. Oh, bless her. Yeah. You'll clean out this dirty record. I love it. <laughs> if you could have any other talent, what would it be? Wildlife photographer. Oh, good really one. Really want to do that. Oh, yeah. awesome. Um, Favourite <laughs> book? Oh I've, oh, I've got two. The Alchemist and The Boy, the Fox and the Horse. <gasps> oh my goodness. By Charlie McKissick. It's yeah. so beautiful, oh. that book. It is. I know yep. it's like supposed to be for children, but I just bought so no. many for my friends for their like 40th birthday parties. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> oh. It's perfect, isn't it? Such oh. a good book. And The Alchemist. Anything by pa- um, Paolo Coelho and I'm, I'm in yeah. there. My goodness. Really good. good choice. <laughs> Favourite film? Well, anything with David Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm starting to think this relationship goes a little bit deeper oh, than nature. I oh, know. <laughs> okay, I won't tell anyone. Decoy nugget. <laughs> Favourite trait in human beings? Kindness. Worst trait in human beings? Oh, see, I, oh, I don't know. Jealousy and greed. Very, very true. Favourite yeah. self-attribute? <laughs> Giggle. <laughs> Oh, it's just endless. Sorry. I love it. I love it. Worst self attribute. I'm terrible at putting myself first, probably. That's what everybody else will say. Are you a tea or coffee girl? Oh, I'm a tea girl. Ooh, what what kind? Are you builders or are you herbal? Uh, oh, a bit of my, uh, mint or sort of with oatly. Ooh, Normal tea with oatly. Love yeah. oatly. Good, good brand. Shout out, oatly. <laughs> Who makes you laugh? My dad. Awesome. A vicar that makes you laugh, I think, is an absolute yeah. literal godsend. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Oh, we go. Annoying um, habit. Oh, man. 
everybody would say I joke through, through serious stuff, probably. And it's, I've got it from my dad. Chandler Bing. <laughs> 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 oh my God, yes. <laughs> what is your favourite animal? Um, I, I, do you know, I love them all. It's hard. I'd probably have a lion or something. Or a white tiger. I don't know. I have no idea. I love them all. <laughs> That's fair. I'm kind of with you on that. What's your okay. favourite food? My mum's homemade fudge. Oh! Yeah. I used to nick it at Christmas. She'd hide it for like a month before and then I'd go on these little hunting errands. <laughs> God bless your mum. I know. Bless her. She's been through a lot with us. <laughs> A weird thing you do? Uh, I probably like animals more than people. <laughs> I can't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, probably that. <laughs> Hair products for the Susie Max Swish look? Moroccan oil. Ooh, okay. I'm on that now. I'm going to get some straight off this interview. Because my hair looks like, uh, well, I look a little bit like Ronald McDonald at the moment. You have the, the best moment. hair. No, you have the best hair. Oh, you I don't know. Amazing. I don't know. That's just so glad that there's no, uh, you know, pictures online at the moment of my incredible roots. <laughs> you haven't seen my hair today, don't worry. Okay. It's cool. good. It's lockdown hair. Lockdown hair. It's a thing. It's rock and yeah. roll, baby. Okay. If there was a zombie apocalypse, what would you use as a weapon and where would you? hide i don't think i'd use a weapon i'd hibernate like a bit hibernate i can't speak today hibernate like a bear i'd probably just try and grab everybody or coax the them into like an area we can shut them in i'm, I'm not very good at the whole killing thing that's very <laughs> practical i like it <laughs> i think you have survived this quickfire round incredibly well oh, and you, you've saved the world from a zombie apocalypse so i'm giving you the solitary <laughs> clap here it comes you are brilliant <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been such a joy to talk to you today oh, I, I, I've had so, like such a laugh with you and there's so many more questions I want to to ask you at a later date about your wonderful oh, wonderful life <laughs> but just to leave us with sort of a, another a further golden nugget of Susie Mack oh good what grief. advice would you give to the world right now interesting okay um I think because uh, the world has had such an amazing time to be able to breathe through this pandemic, I think. And just for everybody to come out of it a bit more conscious, conscious about, you know, the environment and how we affect it. And I think, you know, maybe to carry out some more random acts of kindness, because I think we've all learned to love a bit more again. And just, to, you know, it doesn't cost anything to turn somebody's life around either. And yeah, just love and hug more. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm hugging you again. It's coming. Can you feel it? Right, it's coming through you. the computer. So just before we go, yeah. what are you working on right now? What can we expect to see coming out of lockdown? And what are your social handles and how can people follow you? Okay, um, well, I have been working on lots of different um, songs at the moment. And because I have some songwriting sessions booked coming up online and with Martin. Um, so hopefully we're going to come out with some nuggets, as <laughs> you call them. <laughs> Um, and you can find me on suzymacmusic.com and suzymac on all the other bits and pieces like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Fantastic. <laughs> I, will, I will look forward with eager eyes, as I always do, um, to everything that you bring out. You've oh. been such a wonderful guest today, Susie Mac. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much. Right back at you. <laughs> Not a guest, but you've been a wonderful host. <laughs> <laughs> There are two ways to look at life when you're poorly. 
You can either be fearful of what's been taken or you can be grateful for what you have left. Susie has always been one of life's true shining lights and even on her darkest days she smiles instead of cries, never allowing anyone else to feel her pain. Laughter and positivity is Susie's medicine and it is so infectious, as you've just heard, that you leave Susie with a smile for the rest of the week, let alone the day. Throughout her entire illness, if she couldn't work on her music, she would give her time to others, raising money for charities such as Shelter, sending care packages out to those in need, making sure that no one was wasting time on feeling sorry for her, especially herself. I'm reminded of the saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, Susie has made lemonade, lemon pie, lemon tart, and then used the skin to make a lemon sunshine. Her choice to remain positive has saved her life on multiple occasions, and not only her, but others as well. Susie has always appreciated what music could bring to people because in times of tragedy and loss, it helped her to heal as well. Focusing her efforts on songwriting and really understanding the impact that she could make with it, Susie is as much a wordsmith as she is a songbird. The beauty in Susie's success is that she has felt constantly surprised and inspired by the generosity of others. Unaware of her natural gift at the beginning, it really took other people to lift Susie's confidence and invest their time and hearts into her, something that Susie says she is forever grateful for. Because of her generous and sociable nature, Susie has been able to network with ease and her positive reputation precedes her, making it easy for others to recommend her for projects. There is nothing worse than working with someone who is unreliable or miserable all the time and professionals know that they have a good thing when they work with Susie. She mentioned in her advice for those entering the business that there is no need for jealousy And I agree. If you're focusing all of your attention on other people's success, it means that you're neglecting to pay the same attention to your own. There is room for everyone's unique talent in the industry today. And as our previous guest Toby Gorniak mentioned in season one, there will be someone out there who will appreciate what you're doing, even if no one else can see it yet. Try this Buddhist exercise called the happy liver, which was once famously included in the film Eat, Pray, Love. Close your eyes and take a deep cleansing breath in and out. Smile. Hold that smile and imagine the organs inside your body. Starting with your brain, Using your strong and vivid imagination, visualise your brain with a big smile. When you can feel it or see it, imagine your eyes smiling, imagine your tongue smiling, imagine your lungs smiling, your heart, your stomach, your kidneys, your pancreas, your gallbladder, your intestines, your womb if you have one, and your liver. Now imagine your muscles in your legs smiling, your butt cheeks, your feet, your knees, your hands, your elbows, your ears. Imagine your skeleton dancing around and imagine your backbone is one big, long smile. Allow that feeling of your whole body smiling to beam through your skin and into the room and out into the world. 
If you want to, imagine someone you know and send your smile to them, all the while with a big grin on your face. Allow yourself to let go and laugh if you want. Let that laugh build and build until you are genuinely laughing. And then, when you're ready, open your eyes. How do you feel now? How does it feel to choose happiness? To build happiness with your body? Laughter is a natural painkiller, releasing happy chemicals into our bodies, which may help us feel better on all levels. By choosing to be positive, you are choosing life. You are choosing not to give up, and you are choosing something far more generous than misery. For laughter invites people in instead of pushing them away, when you may just need them most. As Charlie Mackesy wrote in his wonderful book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, There are dark clouds, said the boy. Yes, but they will move on, said the horse. The blue sky above never leaves. So here's to some more blue sky thinking. And as the corona restrictions lift, to more laughter in the company of our good friends. Speaking of which, if you happen to be travelling to see someone right now, here is Susie Mack's beautiful song, Please Hold My Hand, to listen to on your journey. Enjoy. I'm on the edge of a cliff Staring down at the waves Precious been building Building for days All I can see is myself I just need your help I'm reaching out Oh, I'm reaching out Please hold my So alone, please hold my hand. Don't let go. Wrap your fingers around mine, make it all right. Please, please, please. Help me before Came running back then Don't wanna be a burden But I need a friend All I can see is myself I just need your help Now I'm reaching out Oh, I'm reaching out Please hold my hand I feel so alone Don't let go of 
on the show we speak to cartoon artist Martin Piers from Toast Cartoons on how drawing a dog named Levi changed his life. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you have a spare moment now, please like, subscribe and tell me your thoughts in a review on Apple Podcasts which will really help other people like yourself to find the show. Of course, you can also share the show with your friends by following us at the Brave Moment Podcast on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or on Twitter at Moment Brave or just follow the link tree on all of our social media platforms. It's been so wonderful to have you all here with me again. Please get in touch with your own stories and remember, your Brave Moment starts now. For those that have listened all the way to the end of this interview, Here's a little outtake to brighten up your day. I hope it makes you smile as much as we did. Three, two, one. Okay. I'm getting. I'm, I'm pretending that someone's died in my front living room, and I'm getting really, really. Oh my goodness. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're just gonna start it like. <laughs> oh, well, it's been it. She's gonna be brilliant. Okay, <sighs> great. We can. Right, we can do this. We can. <laughs> Susie Mack, welcome Hello, to the show. Thank you. <laughs>